Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And I will actually be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show now that I've gotten a little more caught up and really am setting myself up. And so I figured may as well set you all up as well for this final stretch of the season. And since I was thinking about, you know, what am I really going to be focusing in on and honing in on for this last month and a half or, or so here of baseball and I figured, well, that might actually just make for an interesting conversation about what is there to watch on this team. I published an article, and I hope you'll check it out at milehighsports.com, but I felt like expanding upon that a little bit and maybe opening up a conversation either for, really, probably not on Twitter, but in either in the Discord or in several other potential ways that we can have the conversation and, and continue to throughout the next couple of weeks, but just... What is there to sink your teeth into right now with this team? Because they've been so difficult to watch, they, especially when they play poorly. It seems like when it rains, it pours, right? The the mistakes are bad. The non-competitive games are incredibly non-competitive. They're obviously at this point not going to turn the season around. And they didn't make a whole bunch of trades. So it's not like there's a bunch of new guys immediately on the roster to start watching and, and pointing to and sort of honing in on, on them. There's a couple, and I'm going to talk about them here in a second, but not a lot, right? One thing I do want to get into a little bit here at the beginning, because I had some interesting back and forth with some people about this very conversation, is the idea of playing spoiler. And now this is kind of a, a variation on the conversation about are you do you root for other teams to lose, right? We talked about that yesterday. Is there a, a schadenfreude about some enjoyment of the, the curse that seems to have befallen the Padres or the potentiality that the Cardinals might fall just short and it was because they weren't able to put away the Rockies. And now we get to talk more about that as the Rockies go to St. Louis, right? Another opportunity for them to play a little bit of spoiler. And I mean, if you... Now, it maybe have been a little bit of a stretch for me to argue that just because they won a series 2-1 to one at Coors Field that that's going to mean anything to either Nolan or the Cardinals. But certainly, if they take another one from them in St. Louis, that's going to get under their skin, absolutely for sure. But, you know, if they sweep them back, does it kind of undo... Uh, the the slight advantage they had in the series win, you could argue. So, so there, there there's a lot of interesting stuff there too. But this really is an ongoing and fascinating conversation to me because uh, you know I had a couple of people essentially call me out for saying like why are you rooting for bad things to happen to other teams and I'm really not I'm as an observer really just rooting for the most interesting things to happen oftentimes what I think is the funniest thing to happen or the one that goes most against the uh, consensus or or the people who are most sure that something else in, in a word I root for chaos <laughs> that's what I root for is absolute chaos especially in baseball uh because I think that this notion that we understand what's going on out there is a bit overrated. And so that's what I enjoy, to to put all the cards on the table, is a bit of the chaos. 
But I'd be curious to hear from some of you out there because, you know, I've talked to a lot of ball players about this. I know Bud Black has gone on record saying he doesn't care at all about being a spoiler, you know, being the team that, say, knocks another team out of the postseason or, or is the reason their, you know, season falls apart or whatever. If you can even make that argument, obviously, in 162 games, one game or, or one series even only holds so much weight. But like in any individual game, you know, when you get down to the nitty gritty and it is a tie ball game in the bottom of the ninth and someone gives up the walk off home run, we tend to talk about that play more than everything else that led up to it. Right. And it's the same thing with seasons. When you get to the end of the season, you talk about the missed and lost opportunities a lot more. When we discuss 2018 as a Rockies community, when you know, we talk about the end of that season and all the games they won leading up to it, but the one really frustrating one that they dropped when, you remember, John Gray just really wasn't going well that season, had a really bad game, really had a really bad season, and uh, just a brutal loss, right? We remember those ones. We remember that series in L.A. where they went and got swept and Trevor Story got hurt and they had the eye, and if they just win one of those games in L.A., they win the division for their first and still only time in franchise history, right? But instead, they're still looking for that. We remember those things because they were right at the end of the year, and you can very easily point to them and say, you flip one of those and only leave the next week exactly as it was, the Rockies would have won the division, right? But we don't grab some random game in March (laughs) that they lost by a run or two that they could have, should have, would have won, and say, well, if they'd have flipped that one, they win the division, because that's also true, right? So I do think it's fun and interesting, you know, when your team is out of it. Again, because I think it's very baseball. I think it's something that, you know, doesn't really happen that much in the NFL or the NBA where, you know, a a team is on the cusp of making it and then they get knocked out by one of the dregs of the league, right? It, It does happen. It's just a lot rarer and it's kind of harder to do and harder to have that line up but because there are so many games and everybody's playing everybody and you're kind of at the mercy of the schedule here right the Rockies aren't going to knock say the Dodgers out of the postseason right that's not within their power to do Uh, but they've got some games coming up here with teams on the cusp San Francisco after St. Louis is maybe hanging on to some relevancy there but they've been dropping uh, pretty hard and are under 500 now Rocks don't really have a chance to do anything to Uh, The Mets, who have been playing really good baseball as of late, even if they manage to win some of the four games they've got out there, it doesn't really matter much probably in the standings. Atlanta is a little more in trouble, at least in terms of having a rougher seed, though I think they're, you know, they're going to the postseason. That's just a matter of collapse. Uh, But then after that uh, pretty long road trip out there, in uh, New York and Atlanta, and then they'll run through Cincinnati, which will be a series that won't matter in the standings at all. The reverse standings, I guess, the the draft order, right? But that one won't matter. Then you've got Milwaukee back at home for a three-game set, a team that they've played well. And again, there will be more you know, influence there over the NL Central race, which is the closest one between the Cardinals and the Brewers. And so how the Rockies play 
St. Louis over the next three games, and then Milwaukee over those three games in early September will have an interesting potentially. Obviously, if it all comes out even, then it didn't do anything. But if, say, for example, the Rockies go in and take two of three from St. Louis and then lose two of three back at home to the Brewers, that's going to have a huge impact on that race. Going to be really interesting. I mentioned the San Francisco. They've got Arizona, uh, Chicago, Chicago, not doing anything there. And then again, more games with San Francisco. Uh, They do have uh, one last set against San Diego on the docket. It'll be really interesting to see. That's late September, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Uh, I'll be really curious to see, you know, where the Padres are at at that point. Because right now they're still in a pretty good spot. But we know they got some really tough news. We know they had a big dramatic collapse last season. It's absolutely within the curse of that team to fall out of it. Uh, I think the one thing that's doing them some favors is that there's outside of the NL Central, not really anybody that's rushing in to take those spots. But it could end up being that both the Cardinals and the Brewers end up getting in if the Padres take themselves a bit of a dive as well. So the Rockies will play a role in a bit of that wild card race. And I'm always a little bit curious to see what happens there. I, again, I know some people don't care at all. I always find it at the very least interesting when the things like uh, that final set in 2019 after an extraordinarily disappointing season for the Rockies and really nothing to personally play for in the final set against the Brewers who uh, you know, we're, we're trying to win the division. The Rockies took some games, including the, you know, being down to their final out in the bottom of the ninth. And then Sam Hilliard hit a home run off of Josh Hader and then the Rockies. And then it was several innings of, of extras, uh, right? And, and Milwaukee couldn't get to Washington until very, very late. Ended up losing the wild card game and their season was over. And instead of winning the division, they were out in one game. And, uh, yeah, so it's always interesting to see what kind of impact uh, these games have, even if you know they're not going to do much for your team in the standings. Outside of that, as I wrote yesterday, of course, there's a lot of uh, young players I'm going to be watching. Uh, Eli Harris Montero's got to be the number one most exciting thing to watch about this team right now, partly because he's hitting the ball really hard with regularity, but he does really represent one of the most important you know, signs or, or, or symbols, if you will, for getting better in the immediate future, while it's still going to be almost certainly two years, well, through next year before we see Zach Veen, Drew Romo, uh, any of those next level prospects. You know, Montero really is the guy. Montero and then Tovar next year are the two who bridge the gap between and and need to really kick off and and start that process from a position player standpoint Uh, on the pitcher side it's far more complicated because almost all of them have had injuries and it's really difficult to power rank the Rockies pitching prospects right now from Ryan Rollison and Peter Lambert uh, on down to Elkers Oliveras, Chris McMahon, uh, Carl Kaufman there are a lot of guys who are right in there who should just based on normal timelines be knocking on the door right now and and ready to pitch games in Major League Baseball. The problem is just almost none of the people I mentioned are healthy, and so it's hard to know what they offer the Rockies right now or what they're going to offer them next year, but they're all there, and they can't be completely discounted, especially when, again, I was like five or six names I just ran through. It's just a lot bigger of a mess, and that's why, you know, they're really going to need 
some stability early in their careers out of these prospects they're calling up next year. And, and it hasn't always been the case because of the way the Rockies have handled them. Sometimes I think be just because of the individuals, but we all remember what went on with Ryan McMahon and Ryan Altapia and those being very uneven, you know, playing time and, and going up and down to the minors and not really feeling like they had fully settled in as major leaguers until they were in their mid to late twenties. You know, and they, that really can't be reproduced here with Montero and Tovar. The Rockies need to give them opportunities to play. They've been doing it. In fact, uh, you know, basically since announcing as such and since the beginning of August, Montero's been an everyday player. He's got a couple of days off like anybody does, but he's played in over 90% of the games since then. Uh, you know, they went straight to Winton Bernard, got him right in there. That's been a good sign. So, you know, and, and I'd like to see Tovar this year. I really, really would. And not on the bench in one of those September call-up roles, but like they've done with these other guys, call him up and play him. Call him up, give him the opportunity to, to get a look at some of this pitching, get his feet wet, because those are the two guys that you're most relying on if the Rockies are really serious about this whole, we're going to try to contend next year and everyone's you know, disbelief be damned. We think we can do it with the guys we've got. Those are two of the guys then that are going to have to be not just good, but pretty close to great pretty quickly. And I think we're seeing early on here with Montero that he can hang and that there's there's a chance he's, you know, I've written about a lot of these other prospects. And I said, for example, there's a guy in the bullpen right now to watch, Jake Burt. Very, very intriguing. Future superstar? Probably not. Maybe a future setup guy, but like a lockdown knockout closer for years to come. Again, the odds are just very low. And especially when you don't come with that kind of prospect pedigree. Now, Scott Oberg did it. And I've mentioned before the Rockies are about due for another one of those. But Montero has all of the signs and all of the pedigree. And even like minor league awards and numbers, everything is there from the body type, the approach, the swing path, his production throughout the minors, and even what we've seen him do so far at the big league level. I, I When I was talking about uneven introductions to Major League Baseball a second ago, I left out Brendan Rodgers, didn't I? Right? We're not seeing that where his first hundred at bats, he's just striking out every time and he, and he looks lost up there. Like Montero is a hitter a professional hitter and his defenses looked fine i've actually been impressed with some stuff it's not you know it's shaky here and there um but the guy can hit and if he really settles in and gets comfortable and turns into a middle of the order type of bat as soon as next year for the rockies that's a big deal that's that's a huge change if you're essentially going to get to interject Chris Bryant for the first time, you hope and you think, and we still wonder about all that and I'll have more thoughts on that later, but you got him and Montero in there. Yeah, you can start to see, and then you inject Ezekiel Tovar and all of a sudden it's not the exact same team as it was this year, right? They're not just running it back. And and so they, they desperately need to, to start getting into that uh, I did mention Rodgers, uh, again, with him playing well, you really need a strong finish to this season out of Brendan Rodgers. That gives you good 
signs and, and, and hopes about an important part of your core moving forward. And, uh, you know, it would be nice to see KB, Chris Bryant, get out there and play a little. But, of course, in a season like this, you need to be extra super cautious. There's no reason to push it at this point. There's no reason to force him to get back out there and play at less than 100% in these games that aren't really helping you do anything. You need him to be future healthy for the next six years and you know just focus on that moving forward. So I get it. That said, if, if he can get there, if he can get to a place where he feels good, it'd be nice to see him get back out there and and hit a little bit and remind Rockies fans that yes, he's on the team. Uh, yes, you know he plans to <laughs> to be a contributor in the future and so on. Over on the other side of the baseball is the most intense and and frustrating thing to watch. And so this isn't really so those other things. I was like, well, it's kind of fun to do this. And I also mentioned you know, in my article, now's a good time to start watching some minor league baseball if you want to get the MILB TV. I don't know how much it costs at this point in the season or maybe just catch up with some box scores or do some reading around the minor leagues. Now's a good time for that. Rockies minor league teams have been playing very, very well. They've got a lot of intriguing players uh, worth checking in on if the big league product has really just got you down and you're having a hard time watching these games, which I 100% understand. So am I. It's not good baseball a lot of the time. But... The thing I'm going to be most hyper-focused on with the analytic mind over this last stretch are these starting pitchers. Because as much as we talk about anything and everything under the sun with this team as well, we should. And and unfortunately, a lot of times the conversation gets overly simplified into just, well, it's all about the owner and they don't want to, so they're bad. And until they, you know, that whole thing. But it's like when we have all these other conversations they're all important they're all interesting and i don't want to minimize them but at the end of the day it's a game of starting pitching it just it all starts right there and the reason the rockies are much worse this season than they should be Again, people say it's because the owner, it's because the front office, it's because of the terrible defense, it's because their offense was never good enough, it's because they don't make the smart moves, it's because they didn't pitch. The starting pitching has been bad to awful, and there are a myriad of reasons why that could be the case. I've talked before and written before about some of that has to be on coaching when it's kind of across the board and everyone's having a down year. So I think you've got to ask some hard questions about coaching. Some of it is, of course, on the front office, not for putting the rotation together. Quite frankly, there was all the reason in the world to believe that this rotation should have been able to pitch better than this. They have, they're they're all having down years. Armen Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Senzatella, and Austin Gomber have all been much better at other times in their careers and just generally throughout their careers than they have been this year. Chad Cool was the one guy having a, a big up year, and that was really for the first half of the season, and he's kind of evened off and, and gone back to his career numbers, right? So even their big success story from a coaching and or development standpoint, like, hey, look, this guy, we got him, and we're making him the best version of himself. Well, maybe not so much. Maybe that was just more sequencing. And you can't get anywhere without them. 
you can't win in Major League Baseball without consistently good starting pitching. Everything else only matters. And it all it's all important. It's just that it's only it, it, it's only a difference maker that your offense or your defense or your base running or your coaching or your trades at the deadline, all this other stuff only matters after your starting rotation is in place. And there was every reason, again, like I said, to believe that if Marquez and Freeland and Sensatella were just pitching to their career numbers, this would be a 500 baseball club. Now, that's maybe not anything to get super-duper excited about, but it would have been a step in the right direction, and it would have been, you know, maybe an argument in favor of moving a couple of pieces around pulling the trigger on some deals or, or whatever they're going to do in the offseason. And I still think they're going to go that direction anyway and try to continue to just build on what they have here, which, yes, I understand is controversial, but it's what they're going to do. And so the long and short of it is these five guys because it doesn't look like they're going to go get you know somebody else and, and it's never been a good idea for the Rockies to go out and sign a big free agent starting pitcher for a whole bunch of money right the boon of their semi-recent it's getting further further ago success was their homegrown and developed pitching Mostly these guys plus John Gray. Tyler Anderson was in there for a minute. You know the names. But now, this is the big, biggest question mark on the team. Because if Freeland and Marquez, and let's just boil it down to the two of them, and, you know, I I was always a big believer that Sensatella was going to be able to tech, take that next step and become a very solid number three, and he has, and he's kind of just remained a 4-5. But... That's at least closer to what he's always been. Freeland and Marquez have flirted with greatness, but have also just been pretty good at other times, right? The the nice thing about both of those pitchers was that outside of one individual season for Freeland, their floors were pretty high as well. But both are having pretty bad years. And if those two guys can't get it together in the next year and a half, whether that means a new approach and philosophy, new coaching, something from them that they have to do that's an adjustment, or maybe it just is the case that the league has caught on to them and figured them out and they've reached their maximum peak abilities in Major League Baseball. They they have nowhere else to go. They have no adjustment to make. It could be that... Freeland and Marquez's best days are behind them. And if that's the case, this version of the team is done and they're not going anywhere in the next couple of years. And that's frustrating, you know, obviously. Because so much of what they've been trying to do has been built around that. And it'll give that much more credence to the the gasoline on the fire of Rocky should have torn down and rebuilt a long time ago. And the thing is, they're going to be forced to do that if next year these starters don't figure it out. Because after the following year, most of them are going to be free agents. 
and there will be no point in bringing them back. And they're going to have to start over with the pitching again. And remember, I just said all the prospects are hurt. (laughs) So it really comes down to, can Marquez, Freeland, Senzatella on the top end, and some combination of Gomber, Cool, Urania, maybe Denelson Lamette, I thought that was a really good pickup that happened while I was honeymooning. They have to have a quality starting pitching staff before they can do anything else. And right now they just don't. And so those are the guys I'm going to be watching most carefully to say, are there some signs that they're getting it back, that they're turning a corner? And if not, they end the season on a bad note and everyone's got five-plus ERAs. Do the Rockies come out with some swift coaching decisions and make some changes to uh, certain philosophical things? They just hired a new analytics person, which is really, really good news. But, you know, and I'll dive deeper into all of that when I've got the opportunity to do an entire podcast about it. But... It's all right there on who takes the ball on the mound at the beginning of every game. The rest of this stuff we'll continue to talk about, and it's important. The good news on the flip side of it is, you know, let me, you know, I don't want to end it there, and I've got a reputation to uphold for whatever, right? Certain positivity around here. And I'll just say the flip side of it is, if Marquez Freeland sends a tele, to some extent, Gomber, Cool, Urania, Lamette, and any of the rookies, Rollison, Lambert, and so on. If they can get it together and next year be the type of rotation where everyone's got an ERA plus above the league average, which was basically what they were aiming for this year and should have been able to achieve but fell just disastrously short. But if they can achieve that, the team can get right back into the hunt for a postseason spot, especially in these expanded postseasons where you can literally come in fourth in your division and still make it to the dance. That is very much within their grasp. The difficulty here is that it's the only way they get there. I don't believe there's a series of moves that could make a dramatic enough change. It will have to be internal improvement. And they need to make a big signing or two, and I think they will, but it's going to have to be internal improvement, which means these young players really coming into their own and these pitchers getting it together. So thank you for listening. Really appreciate you all out there. Make sure you're downloading all the podcasts onto your app from the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. You're checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com. And other than that, you're just continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.